0: From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Monique Aiken, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, January 6th. Happy New Year, everyone! Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha's Rudy Sinatas, plus the founders of Dollaride, Sue Sani and Chris Coles. The Brooklyn based ride hailing company is providing green transportation solutions and jobs for communities in New York City's transit deserts. Hi, guys, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Monique, thanks for having us. Hey, happy to be here. Happy Monique. to be here.
0: Great, but first, we wanted to catch you up on Impact Alpha's look-aheads to 2023, which are outside the paywall on impactalpha.com. They're a great way to track the year's emerging trends and sample what Impact Alpha has to offer. Policy progress last year sets up climate action this year, Amy Cortese reports. Amy will be tracking the implementation of the landmark climate bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. In particular, the deployment of early stage technologies at scale is going to be key. In a guest post on Impact Alpha, Nate Lobier lewis of Spring Lane Capital writes that, quote, we need a new crop of entrepreneurs who think of themselves first and foremost as project developers. Our emerging markets reporter, Jessica Pothering, predicts 2023 will see a rising tide of local investors in emerging markets that are building local ecosystems and crafting local policies for long-term sustainable economic development. These agents of impact are tired of waiting for outsiders to fulfill long-standing development promises and have realized they don't need to. Dennis Price rounded up our coverage of the inclusive economy beat. One big takeaway, investors able to spot underappreciated opportunities and identify entrepreneurial talent overlooked by other investors can outperform the market. We'll also be looking at how the stable asset class of municipal bonds can drive social impact goals. And in a year that ESG became a hot-button issue, David Banks says that the metrics are starting to help identify who the leaders ushering in an economy built around sustainability, inclusion, and equity are from the laggards trying to block it. A key metric to watch is revenue materiality, the share of a company's revenue that comes from tangible solutions to identifiable societal challenges. And it's another month, so we have another list of impact funds in fundraising mode. This month's list, in partnership with Realize Impact, features seven open funds, including WIC Capital in Senegal, which is leveraging the investment power of women in business to support women entrepreneurs. Short for Women's Investment Club, Wix Network of Senegalese businesswomen invest their own capital alongside institutional investors. Check out the rest of the list at impactalpha.com. So first things first, Rudy, your story this week started on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn.
2: Yes, Monique, I I live about two miles away from my parents, um, pretty much straight down Flatbush. And I take dollar vans pretty much every week to go to go see them. Um, For those of our listeners who don't know, dollar vans are, you know, these minivans that go along fixed routes in Brooklyn and in Queens and and even in in Manhattan's uh, Chinatown, um, right? And so you get on these, uh, you know, minivans or little minibuses, you pay the driver $2 and he takes you along a, a fixed route. Um, and they go back and forth, for example, on, on Flatbush Avenue. Um, and uh, low-income communities and, and minority communities and immigrant communities in the Brooklyn area and in the Queens area rely on uh, this type of transportation to go to work, uh, you know, to bring their kids to school. I remember in college, um, this was how I got to and from school um and and so this is what what uh this this amazing informal transit network uh, does
0: Yeah and those areas are not well served by existing transportation and infrastructure like the MTA at least in New York City for example um and is that partly what drew you to the story
2: Yes that's that's why I was interested in the story when I met uh Sue at an Urban X event last month um he told me about the uh Dollar vans electrification program um, and the collaboration with the different players in it, including um, Bill Edison, Hevo, and, and, and Black Power.
0: Well, Block Power is a friend of the show. Donnell Baird has been on, on here with us a couple of times.
2: <laughs> yes. And the same way that Block Power is retrofitting um, buildings and, and uh, low income and minority communities across the country, um, Dollar Ride. Um, is taking on a similar strategy to retrofit dollar vans in this little informal economy.
0: So, Sue, tell us about this electrification model, how your retrofitting works, and more importantly, how does the how does the financing part work?
1: Sure, uh, you know, really similar to how Donnell uh, from Block Power talks about, you know, they turn buildings into Teslas we're trying to do the same thing with dollar vans and informal transit. Uh, You know, so I I jokingly say we're turning dollar vans into Tesla's, but the main idea here is that, you know, uh, fleet owners or, or really any buyer of an electric vehicle stands to save a lot of money on gas and maintenance and other aspects of owning a gas powered vehicle. Um, but when you go electric, you, you, you reap all these benefits. So, um, you know, I thought it made a lot of sense to bring those same opportunities and benefits to dollar vans. Um, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn and in Queens where dollar vans are popular. And uh, it occurred to me that, you know, we could bring those same savings and have a similar environmental impact if we provided a platform that made it easy to go electric for dollar van fleet owners.
0: Anything to add, Chris?
3: Sure. So as you know, we are working with a few different partners on this Um, vehicle manufacturer that's actually going to be retrofitting the vehicles. We'll also be working with a charging partner, Hevo, um, and they're going to be taking care of all the charging needs as well as a financing partner who's working to kind of secure the debt financing, uh, Hevo. So um, Dollar Ride, in a sense, is... um, really organizing and working with all of these different vendors to provide a solution that can really take F owner's fleet from all gas to entirely electric.
0: So Dollar Ride started with a digitization strategy to help drivers, but what's the origin story of the idea? What problem were you solving and how did you come to this concept?
1: Yeah, when we, when we first started Dollar Ride, uh, you know, Chris and I collaborated and basically started from our own experiences trying to take dollar vans and realizing that, you know, for us who are familiar with the service, it was relatively easy to know where drivers were, where the routes were located and how far along you can go. But for people who are uninitiated, for people who have no idea um, how to use a dollar van, um, this could be really intimidating or in fact, like almost impossible, because you know traditionally things like dollar vans don't publicize their services. There's no advertising. There are no fixed routes or schedules. Um, so it's usually knowledge from the community or or through word of mouth that people hear about how to use these services. So um, as technologists, you know Chris, having been an engineer and, and worked at startups for um, nearly a decade. And myself, you know, being in a similar position as an entrepreneur, you know, we thought we could build a solution that would make the dollar van ecosystem digital, but therefore more transparent to new people who could also leverage the service. So that's exactly what we set out to do when we started Dollar Ride uh, and really dreamt of the idea back in like 2017, 2018. So, um, you know, it's taken us a couple of years to get the digital platform ready but once we started seeing that there was uh, adoption and that it was actually working, um, we knew we were to something great. And, uh, you know, electrification seemed like the next frontier that would make an even bigger impact.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I'm not sure, you know, how much you all know about Sue's family's background, but Sue actually grew up very close to the industry. So, you know, Sue's uncles were actually fleet owners themselves. So, you know, from a young boy, Sue has kind of grown up in this industry and knows a lot of the problems and challenges, you know, owners and drivers face. So, you know, you know, over five years ago when we started first working on Dollar Ride, you know, we were able to leverage a lot of that experience to have an unfair advantage to really have, you know, a pretty good strategy and how we were going to, you know, provide value for these drivers and these fleet owners
0: as we always like to talk about getting proximate, you were, you were born into it and it was all around you. You were both the, one of the, well, new booth, both the supply side and you also were a writer. And so, you know, that unique insight isn't really important. Um, but, you know, there's beyond that kind of impact that you're having directly on the, the electrification side of things. What about your consumers, the customers, the people who are the writers? How do you, how do you think this well, solve some of their problems.
1: One of the things that we've learned is that the consumer or riders really need to be a part of the solution in an intimate way. So um, as we approach this whole electrification project, we've built into our plan a lot a lot of time and effort into like community engagement and community development. So essentially, we want the riders. Uh, and local community stakeholders to let us know where there should be more dollar vans or more routes that can serve the, the community. Um, but, you know, we've learned overall that people really enjoy dollar vans for a lot of reasons. Um, not only does it help you get from point A to point B, you know, more quickly or efficiently than the MTA in, in a lot of areas around New York City, I think people generally just enjoy Um, being customers of their fellow neighbors and and their own countrymen. A lot of the communities we serve are, um, uh, you know, immigrant enclaves in in local communities that where people come from the same um, ethnic uh, and cultural backgrounds. So it generally feels good to, you know, hop in a vehicle that's owned by, you know, someone who reminds you of your uncle um, or someone who you know, uh, or, or you're a driver and you're driving people around who look like your family members. So I think, um, that what, that's what makes dollar vans and things like them special. And, you know, we want to, we want to stay true to that. And because of that, we really want to incorporate the community into how we build out our own programs and our software and our products.
0: I love that community aspect. And I think of the times that, you know, you hop on a, on a, on a dollar van and you see somebody, you know, It is also a way to connect the community with itself. Um, But you mentioned something in the piece that sometimes the best equipment and technology don't get to our communities. Um, How are you basically visibilizing something else with this project and particularly with the partners that you have aligned yourself with?
1: Well, we specifically chose uh, our corporate partners like Block Power, Build Edison, and Hevo um, because they they are actually at the forefront uh, in their own respective domains when it comes to clean energy electrification and and helping you know pursue this energy transition. So, for example, Hevo actually has like a very innovative patent pen, uh, patent uh, pending uh, wireless and plug-in charging uh, product. So, if you can imagine you know, dollar van drivers uh, will be able to charge their vehicles wirelessly in the same way that you can charge your iPhone wirelessly through like, you know, one of these fancy chargers. You know, that's something that, um, you know, for lack of a better term, like what rich companies or rich organizations get to have. But, you know, we partnered with people who saw the vision and who are also New York based companies and realized that, they wanna support this, this whole initiative that we have and you know, uplift the communities that we're serving. So um, I just thought it was really important to bring the best and brightest that we could, we could muster up. So um, I'm fortunate that you know, Block Power, HEVO, Bill Edison, and, and many other organizations are, are really playing their role in that fight.
0: So Rudy, you got out and took some rides over the holiday break and talked to some drivers. What did you find out from your on the ground reporting?
2: What I heard from all the drivers was that, um, you know, gas prices are, are an issue, but um, insurance is the bigger issue. Um, they uh, told me that they they struggle to, uh, you know, to, to pay for insurance just because, insur- um, you know, the rates are so high. And, um, uh, for example, I spoke to uh, Fatai Lassisi. Uh, uh, um, this week actually, um, who is this, uh, 70, uh, you know, he's about to be 70 years old. <laughs> he joked during our conversation and he shared that, um, he started back in 1982 and as a driver and he still drives, but now he own, owns his own fleet. And, um, and some of the drivers that he works with, um, you know, are taking a break just because they don't know how they're going to be able to, to, deal with the insurance costs, especially as rates are expected to rise again this upcoming March.
1: Yeah, I'd love to share some insight into that. because um, this was one of the challenges that we faced and that we continue to hear from drivers and fleet owners. And it became really obvious to us that there's no way for us to implement a tech solution like, you know, a fully digital dollar van experience or even, you know, electrify fleets. If we don't really help deal with the issues that are most pressing and, and top of mind for fleet owners today, so um, to share some details about you know our whole electrification effort, ultimately we're providing a fleet of vehicles uh, that will come with charging stations uh, and financing in case there's a driver a fleet owner who simply wants the capital to you know, of retrofit his own vehicle. But, you know, ultimately, Dollaride is providing a set of vehicles that will be available on demand to any fleet owner or any driver who wants to use them. But probably more importantly, um, we're working on a scheme uh, where the ins- the cost of insurance um, and maintenance are going to be taken care of by Dollaride. So um, if you can imagine, just like You know, when you rent a car, um, you know, you don't really think about buying insurance just for those two or three days that you rent a car. Um, We're going to have insurance baked into the cost of renting a vehicle for a day, a week, a month, or however long a driver, a fleet owner wants it. So, um, you know, we figured there are ways that we can uh, make the cost of insurance cheaper or even invisible to drivers and fleet owners by using our partnership with Block Power and um, you know banks and other institutions, uh, you know that I think at the end of the day will make a big impact on the pockets of drivers and fleet owners. So conceptually, that's that's the goal, um, and I'm, I'm happy to say that we've made a lot of progress towards that with the partners that we have. So um, I'm really excited about rolling this out in in 2023 and, and the years beyond.
0: No, I think that's awesome. The bundling will definitely make it much more effective for the drivers themselves. Um, but the last question is, what, are, what about your plans to scale? Are you moving to any other cities soon? Where, where to next for you guys?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I get this question often, and it's, it's sometimes hard to think about, you know, what other cities are we going to go to when I'm so focused on New York City uh, and, you know, the drivers and communities that we're already familiar with. But, you know, if you think about it, um, things like dollar vans and jitneys exist all around the country and all around the world, especially in, um, quote unquote, developing countries or the emerging markets. So, you know, proximity wise, we could easily be in Jersey City, you know, in 2024, where there's a whole network of, quote unquote, jitneys, but they work effectively the same way as dollar vans in Brooklyn and Queens do. Um, and in Miami, uh, you know, there's a whole network of jitneys there that are, um, you know, actually run by the, the Haitian community. So, um, you know, I think the things that we're learning in New York, especially where we have similar cultural, like this cultural melting pot, gives us a lot of insight into how to work with other communities outside of New York. Um, but, you know, uh, I, it's probably maybe 18 months away. To where uh, you know we could have another deployment in another city, so um, that's probably mm-hmm. what's ahead of us right now.
0: Well, I love it. I wish you all the best, and let me know when you're heading to Jamaica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Will
0: do. We'll do. I thanks. Can't wait for that <laughs> soon. soon. <laughs> I can be part of your rollout team, <laughs> sure, on the ground. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate having you. Thanks, Rudy, for your story, and we wish you all the best.
1: Thank you, Monique. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you all.
0: And that's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks to Sue, Chris, Rudy, and our producer, Isaac Silk. Ready to try Impact Alpha? Sign up for Impact Alpha open, free of charge, directly at impactalpha.com. Want to go deeper? Grab a subscription and get full access to the site, agents of Impact calls, and the daily email brief. Just go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and choose an annual subscription. Thank you for listening. I'm Monique Akin, Managing Director for TIP, the Investment Integration Project. Be sure to check back for next week's briefing, and until then, take care.